Hi, everyone. This week on The Limitless Pregnancy, we're taking a day with our producer, also known as my husband, Nick, to celebrate a year full of sleepless nights, dirty diapers, breast milk on everything, and generally all of the gems that come with raising a baby. This last Sunday was the first anniversary of the birth of Dorothea, so we sat down on our back patio with a glass of wine and had a check-in about the last year. As I'm sure you can imagine, it was not an easy year, and we talked quite a bit about the struggles of navigating postpartum life and caring for a newborn, but also about how much joy and happiness we've shared as a family. We're constantly working here at The Limitless Pregnancy on normalizing the authentic postpartum experience to combat all of the unrealistic expectations that surround us, and this conversation definitely gives you some insight into the reality of what it was like for us. Thanks for taking the time to listen. This was gonna be a check-in. How are you doing? Should we line up what we're doing before? I guess so. Diving into it. What are we lining up? The episode. Like uh, bringing people in. Oh. You know. No, I was just going to do that when I record the intro. That works too then. We'll just roll in on this then. I'm good. I feel like I didn't make some calls that I could have today to like, you know, grandparents, my grandma Deb. Shouldn't they be calling us? Sure. But, you know, we can also call them. But I think it was nice to have a relatively family-centered day. Yeah. It was good to spend the day with her after two days of not seeing her as much as I usually do. Yeah. It was weird to not have, a, like, a birthday party. party. But that was also because of COVID. That wasn't because – or not – that was also not because of COVID. That was because of the heat. Right, which was the right call to, to make. It was – yeah, it's – I mean, peek behind the curtain. It's quarter to nine on – her birthday and it's still really warm it's 93 right now at nine o'clock at night we should have brought the water out for season he's okay he could drink from the splash pad that's not wrong he's fine you were saying just what a fucked up year it's been <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's been an interesting one kind of all like it would have been like the pandemic was just one piece of it it wasn't like the largest piece of not the fucked up portion, but just what this year brought in general. I also think, I mean, I know we had our struggles with, we had a lot of struggles. We had, what's the first one? Thrush was the first struggle. Thrush and then mastitis. Well, and food allergies were. I was going to say, yeah, I don't know what came first. The thrush was fairly immediately. Did we, I'm trying to think if we had gone to Oregon before or after she had thrush. I feel like that was something we dealt with after we came back. Yes, but it but her latch was painful the entire time. And I just muscled through it because I'm really good at doing that. Yeah, you're going to push through. What else is the other option, you know? Yeah. And then, but I remember sitting on the couch at the cabin in Sisters. I remember, I still have this like image memory of nursing her on the couch and having this moment where I was like, something is not right. Like, this is consistently painful in a way that is not just getting the hang of nursing. But I don't know if I put words to it at that point. No. I mean, I, yeah, because I wasn't aware that it hurt that bad. I mean, I would hear you sometimes when you do the, the you know, but I guess it didn't, it didn't make itself apparent until both of you were struggling yeah at all times but i do remember being at the cabin and getting goat milk ice cream being excited about it for you and then 
finding that it had eggs in it. So you couldn't have that ice cream. And like did the pumpkin bites. Did we know that she was reacting to eggs at that point? We had at least taken out eggs and I think coconut at that point. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was still you super were new. We excited that you found goat milk ice cream mm-hmm. because we were so used to have coconut. And we were getting the methodology from Iris and it had those pumpkin bread bites or whatever it was. Oh, the banana bites. Banana bites that you couldn't have. Yeah. Because it had coconut in it. And eggs. Sure. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. And then did the mastitis hit during thrush or it was right after, right? Like we had finally. I think it was kind of consecutive. You know, we'd gotten the thrush starting to be treated and then. Yeah. That or we were trying to figure out how to treat the thrush and trying to track down the gentian violet. And in that period of finding that to actually do something about things was when the mastitis came in. I think the mastitis came a little bit afterwards because I remember, actually I have more. Was I just the, remember it hit really fast. Were the potatoes for thrush or mastitis? Mastitis. Then that happened exactly as I said. Really? Because I definitely remember slicing potatoes mm-hmm. and then being like, why am I not shredding it to make it way easier to control instead of like pasting these stiff pieces of potato nicely on your breast? Yeah. Do you remember the mastitis onset? Not with that much context. I just remember we were sitting on the couch and when the fever hit me, it happened immediately. That I remember. And That's it was big. extreme. It was like dengue. It was like the second I started to get body aches and chills, I was, remember, I, my whole body was shaking, like uncontrollably, remember? And I could not get warm. And we both, neither of us said it to each other, but we both were like, oh, fuck, I have COVID. You don't remember that at all? No. Honestly, no. I remember you getting the fever. I remember being hard to tell because, like, even now when we go to bed, like, you're warmer than you normally were. But it was, we were on the couch watching TV and it hit me. Oh, right. And I put a blanket on in the summer, which should have, which was obviously it was the first warm last year, too. And then when it, by the time I started, it was like I put the blanket on, I put that, that super heavy hoodie that I have with like the, fleece lined hood Santa hood I put the Santa jacket on and the blanket and I was shivering uncontrollably I could not stop shivering. I do remember that and then we weren't taking anything because you're breastfeeding mm-hmm. and then Brandy was like you can take things yeah yeah and I remember being like I don't have any clogged ducts I don't feel any lumps everything's fine and Brandy was like no you have mastitis <laughs> all through pictures yeah all through pictures so we dealt with the mastitis and then we dealt with the thrush we, were, we knew the thrush was there. We were just trying. Like, I remember driving around for a few hours to all the CVSs, Walgreens, calling all the different places on the road, trying to. Looking for gentian violet. And having to explain as we went through of, like, what this is, what it should be, where it should be located. And everyone just not. Like, all the websites being like, they mentioned this in store. And then still not. And even finding, like, some little, like, pharmacies and, like, apothecaries that were not you know, big box things, and they still just had no idea. You had to go through Amazon. This, the whole timeline, this whole first year timeline is still so fuzzy to me. I remember a lot of really extreme things happening. Like when we were in the height of her food allergies and she was waking up like five to six times a night. And we were both so sleep deprived. And not ready for it at all. 
like you know what I mean like not conditioned to do no those kind of nights no because she was not only was she waking up a lot but she was staying up a lot she was because she was in pain mm-hmm. and she was like screaming in pain and we couldn't do anything to soothe her to calm her sometimes bicycles would help I remember that and I remember yeah sitting up with her often nights just sleeping upright again that's what kind of where it started I forgot about that because she was more comfortable upright than she was laying down mm-hmm. yeah, you used in. to prop yourself up against the headboard with all the pillows yep and the poppy usually yeah <laughs> and just sleep that way yep which went away for a little bit and then as soon as we moved it became a very real regular thing man that was a really intense time. Mm-hmm. And then we I feel like we were living in sort of just like this baseline of desperation. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, building the, just the muscle memory of how to handle all these things. Like it would have been enough to just figure out how to have a baby and then having these kind of things thrown at you. And it was all compounded because the sleep deprivation from her not being able to sleep at night because she was in pain. Mm -hmm. And then the sleep deprivation on top of the thrush, which was incredibly painful for both of us, for she and for myself. Knowing that she was hungry, but she wouldn't eat. Right. And then the mastitis. And then, I mean, I got so sick so fast. And it only lasted for a couple of days. But it was still there. It was intense. And then we like sort of got the allergies figured out. And then she started teething. Well, even before that, we were putting her down. So we moved. That was a thing. Right. Moved in the we middle were. of the wildfires. So you were at a friend's house with Harper, Dot, and you. Yeah, we were at Dossick's. And then I was moving as much as I could. By yourself. By myself. Did I have Shiza? We didn't have him. Because he would have had to be with me, him and the cat. Yeah, because I kept bringing him back over with me. Shit, that's right. So when I would bring a load over, I would have to make room and make sure I had room for Shiza to be in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was wild. But then when we moved, we were having the th- same thing where we were all walking on egg- eggshells when she went to bed. We hadn't ordered a white noise machine. We were just trying well, that's to... that's the thing, too. She's such a light sleeper. Well, she was, but I think it was the thing, too, that like we would put her to bed, and then until we went to bed and you would breastfeed her, we would just like try to put her down. Yeah. So I remember there was a point when you were like, we're going to try dream feeding. And that, you know, for that week or those couple, you know, little bit of time, it was like a miracle cure. It was like we put the bottle in her mouth and she goes back to sleep and we're good. Yeah. But that, I think, was truly when that was fast forward a few months of that not doing as much anymore and her still waking up all the time. That was when you went super strict and like no solicitates. No, nothing. That was so hard, but it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was definitely a difference. And then, I mean, slowly bringing them back into her, it hasn't been bad. No, but there's still some that I have to avoid. Like the stronger, like licorice and basil. Yeah. She still reacts to all those things. But so, yeah. But then, and I don't know if it was that or what, but there was those, that was, there was a period of time where we put her to bed. She'd wake up often. We'd go to bed. Around 2 a.m., she would wake up, and I would go downstairs with her. Oh, my God. And then I was doing that for a few weeks straight, and then I'd wake up with her. Right, because also, like, just the 
struggle to keep my milk supply up when I was so sleep deprived. <laughs> yeah, so I, I there were I mean there were a lot of nights where I'm waking up and I'm like I have to wake up for work in this many hours, you know, and then go to work. Yep. And like now, I mean, it's still very hard, but now getting the work done and, and figuring out the pipeline with her on me is I figured out for the most part. But like at that point, I still was struggling at all. Like it was a lot. Still was a lot, but. Well, we also didn't have the ability to like set up a system the way that we have a system now. Because now she sleeps, she's still not sleeping through the night, but now she sleeps more. Mm-hmm. Now we have chunks of sleep mm-hmm. that we can build a schedule around, build a strategy around. We couldn't even do that then. Mm-hmm. We, we were literally just in triage all day, every day for nine months. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember there was one, the last morning I remember sleeping. And it's still now, but like it's, she's been pretty good lately. You know, still odd nights here and there, but better than she was for sure. But there was a morning where she was up during the middle of the night. She was up super early. I took her for the morning and the first nap. And I remember at 10 a.m. I just went up and was like, I need you to take her. and I need to take a nap. And that was like the last time I remember having a good sleep where like I wasn't afraid or not afraid, but there wasn't a thought of like, I'm going to get woken up without being aware. Like it's just going to happen as opposed to like, I'm going to sleep until I wake up and then be good to go. Like there was that constant like half sleep of, is she going to wake up? Do I need to get up? Do I need to, yeah. Sleeping while still staying aware when she was going to make noise Mm -hmm. and being ready to go. Yeah. It's been a long time since we've, had a whole night of rested sleep. Mm-hmm. It's been over 365 days. Yeah. And I mean, for me, because I was getting up to pee so much in the second half of my pregnancy anyway. Yeah, there's only been a couple nights since we moved again that like I've fallen asleep sitting up with her or vice versa. Yeah, we've had a much easier time. Here. In the last three months. Because I think we have it figured out now. And she's also, as she's gotten older, the food allergies. I mean, uh, coconut is still one that we have to avoid. But, like, she's growing out of some of the other things, which I think is making life a lot easier for us. Because I couldn't eat anything. I was eating, like, the same four things, which was not sustaining me from a calorie perspective. It's a lot of stuff. You know. <laughs> it was a lot. And there's a lot of stuff to deal with without help. We didn't, we couldn't have parents, you know, the, we did, we couldn't have the village with the typical village things. Which that's the thing now is like. We couldn't have someone come over and hold her so I could shower or come over and hold her so that we could take naps or come over and do the dishes so that, you know, it's like all the things that are supposed to happen when you're postpartum that we couldn't have yeah no it was and i mean even now that things are opening up a little bit it's weird you know it's the because now obviously she's not comfortable with being held by anyone but us and harper but you know now it's people are here and the opportunity is there but it's still like a non-option like i'm used to being on pilot or autopilot anyway and then she doesn't want to go to them anyway right now, which is, you know, she's getting well, that's better. that's also with. partially COVID and partially just where she is developmentally. 
For sure. But there would be a, a little bit more of a flexibility as opposed to like crying when Steve got too close. Yeah. Crying when someone looks at her. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not common, you know, even with new people. Like as long as we don't go too fast, too fast. Too fast, too furious. Yeah. She's uh, she's a little better at responding to it. What about you? You got me. You started this off with how you doing, so. I'm okay. It's a weird day. It's like strangely nostalgic. I mean, it really is wild how like, I mean, some of those nights were, I feel like I can use this word without being dramatic. Some of those nights were traumatizing for all of us. Yeah. Sleep deprivation is crazy. It really is. It's wild what it does to you and your ability to process emotions and your ability to process information like some of those nights were so hard, mm-hmm. so hard, like harder than anything else I've ever dealt with. Yeah, I agree with that. But also looking back, it's, I mean, we say it all the time, like she's so big and I look back and wish she were smaller. I mean, I don't wish she were smaller. I just like remember those times when she was so little and like, I remember it so fondly <laughs> and like we, there are sweet snapshots of those moments, but overall, like, most of the first year was really, really, really hard. Yeah. It was hard. It was, it was, um, it was just singular, you know, it was, you know, you brought up a few weeks ago or, or whatever, like I'm a hot, like, you know, dad hogs you and stuff. And like, that was the first time I realized, cause like I, for so long and still have that, like, if you don't, I let you know when I need to go to the bathroom or something, but like, if you don't come over and be like, I'll take her for a bit, like I don't ask often. And it's like that I'm still conditioned to like, if I take her, that's load off everywhere else. Like I need to be shouldering it. So like a lot of it has gotten easier because of, I guess, that mindset of like. Well, but also to clarify, you do have a tendency to, if we're like hanging out on the floor or whatever, like you do have a tendency to come just scoop her up. and. Yeah, but it's it's the. The context for when I made that statement is because you like to snuggle with her, which like mm-hmm. we all do. And you just, we were, we were playing, we were hanging out and you wanted snuggles. <laughs> you just came and grabbed her because you wanted snuggles. Just, you know, it's helpful. It's helpful to just take her. And like now it's, you know, I don't know. It's weird. It's when you're tired and you're overworked and frustrated it's like you know if i could only be my own person if i could only have a few minutes to just have my both hands and do whatever i want for a minute like it's it's real and it's important but like i guess it's important to say that i was very busy the last two days but i wasn't busy with her on me the whole time and like that time away from her was even weird you know so even though we were in the same house you just weren't in the same room it's that, and it's, it's also the, I don't like the feeling I get when I'm on a meeting and, like, I'm, like, asking her to be quiet, like, shh, shh, shh. or when we were playing yesterday when, you know, you were pumping and I was uh, up with her and we were still filming, like, it's that weird feeling of, like, this is work and this is important because this puts food on the table and all these things and commitments and my own personal growth and all that, but then it's, like, now it's not only costing me my time, but now it's costing me like hampering creativity in my kid. I feel like she's making noise and I'm like, shh, 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 
you know, it's like fucking belt that shit, girl. Yeah. You know, it's hard to to balance that, but getting to the point you were saying earlier, I don't know when it happened, but the the switch of understanding that I look at Harper and I see a kid that I recognize, I love, but she's not the kid that I first met. She's not the kid that was in Jakarta with us. Like, there's pieces of her in there, but she's grown so much. Oh, and yeah, that, and changed so much, yeah. And all for, you know, for positive, it's not, but it is that, I remember when I first was introduced to Harper and, and we would talk and you would say, I don't want her to get older. And she would say that. And I was always like, we want you to get older. That's a good thing. And like, I had this, this stance because I was like, I don't want to, if you should want to grow up, like, you know, don't wish your time away, but like, it's a good thing. Now I totally understand that feeling. Cause it's like, it's, it's not, I've seen it with Harper. It doesn't last long. And with her doubling in size some days, like it goes even faster. So that when it gets really, really hard, sometimes it doesn't help, but most times, a lot of times I can figure it out by just reminding like in a year from now, you're going to look back at this time and you are going to be longing for, oh, I'll trade sleep for having another minute with that. I'll, you know, work through a whole day and do more and then take her and then be up all night. But as long as it's that little thing, you know. Mm-hmm. She's fun right now, though. Yeah. She's crazy. She's a lot. Yeah. But it's cool seeing her, like, figure things out and, and incorporate, like, you know, and do a billion little voices to her. And we talk all the time and hearing her try to mock what I'm doing and play with it and, and be playful in that way. Like, it's for a long time. And still now, I feel like we play at her. Whereas now it's starting to become that she's playing with us at times. It's still sometimes where I'm trying to distract or get her to be interested in something. But I feel like there's much more play. Interaction, yeah. And engagement, like two-way engagement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're not just bringing stimulus to her. Like she, she'll come over with a book. Yeah. You know, she might lose interest by the third page, but like for a minute she knows this is a book. I want you to read it to me. Let's play with this together. She's so mischievous, too. Mm-hmm. She just gets that look on her face. Big smile. And her Jack Nicholson idea. Her squeals as she runs away. Yeah, she's going to be... She's walking pretty good right now. She's going to be walking well in a month. And then... And now we're really screwed. She climbs on everything. There's no fear. That's true. She, which is so different from Harper. Harper was like, just always by my side. Never really. I mean, she was a curious kid, but she was not a, not a, I don't want to say she wasn't adventurous or explorative. She was all those things, but she was not, she just didn't take the risks that Dorothea takes. She just was always close by. And repeated risks. You know, it's not like she falls off the bed and it's like, okay, I'm not going to run to the edge of the bed again. Like, right. she stops crying, she gets settled down, you put her on the bed, she's going to go right <laughs> for the edge again. Yeah. So either that's caution to the wind and, you know, fall down and get yourself back up again, or it's something wrong that she's just... She's just going to be the ER kid. Mm-hmm. There's always one. So let's just make some noise here, because it doesn't fucking matter. We're recording out back, so... 
I fire alarm. I she's a quick clacking around. What has been your favorite part of being a biological father? I don't know. I don't know if there's a favorite. It's I don't know. I don't know if I came around Harper if she was you know as small as Dot, how it would have gone. It's been pretty age dependent, I think. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it'll be, it's nice hearing her say data and, you know, call me that. Dada. Biological part. I don't know. Um, I just mean that, like, I can't say what's your favorite part of being a dad because, you know. I've already been there. Yeah. Uh, but what's been, I guess, your favorite experience in the last year? I mean, it's going to be very, very vague, but just bonding with her. You know, like when we first came home or even in the hospital, there wasn't. There wasn't this aha moment. Like I remember texting uh, my best friend her picture, and he was like, "Oh my god, I'm obsessed with her!" And like he was so happy, and like he was like, you know, like I'm geared up, like you know. And granted, who knows? I wasn't there with him. Like he might have been filled with emotion and and using these words specifically to like, "I am feeling something," as opposed to like actually being at the verge of tears. And I remember reading that and being like, "Me too," and this is amazing. But I was excited because the birth was over. You were okay. The baby was okay. Like there was these things that are like objectively not emotion based. I feel like we haven't really debriefed about how much anxiety there was leading up to the birth. I feel like we, that's still not something that we've debriefed about. On what end? Just. We've both alluded to it in conversations about how worried we were about me being okay and her being okay. Yeah. I mean, at least from my end, it wasn't. There's plenty of reasons, you know, with everything we've been through and in your body specifically to have warranted being anxious in that way. But I don't think give yourself a completely clean bill of health, never a broken bone, a sprain, anything else. I think I would have the same level. Like it wasn't, I wasn't thinking that there was going to be an issue on, on that end. It was just more birth in general, I think, for me at least. I'm sure that was different for you. Yeah, and I also just think I had so much anxiety about birth during COVID. And I definitely had a lot of anxiety about giving birth in the environment that we were existing in. You mean the apartment we were in? Or no, oh, just COVID. during COVID. Yeah. I think once I knew... Once it was clear that I was going to be able to be in the room with you, and obviously Harper was a huge bonus, um, at least when we started, to look into where we were going to go. But as long as I knew you and I were in the room together, like it wasn't that I didn't want Harper in there or anything or didn't care about it, but there was no world where I wanted you to give birth alone. And me be outside and be like, cool, the I baby mean, was here. I can't imagine anyone that would want that. Sure, but I'm just saying like that was so when it was confirmed that regardless of really the outcome, I was going to be in the room with you. Mm. I think that that COVID anxiety went away to a degree. Even getting transferred to the hospital, I wasn't nervous that we were going to like run into a COVID. You know, I, I didn't. That wasn't registering for me, at least. I don't know. I think I just had anxiety that because of my health and 
you know, all of the things that we were told to be cautious about. I just like had decided that something was going to be wrong. But there was definitely a lot of relief, obviously, especially after my labor. There was a lot of relief when she was finally out. I was just talking about it today. That like it took us so long to even check the gender, mm-hmm. because it was just like the the release and like the relief that it was finally over, and that she was here. And it was also really overwhelming emotionally, I think, for me at least. I'm sure for you in different ways. Mm-hmm. But there's, I feel like there's still this resting anxiety of like, how do we parent in a pandemic? And, it, and it's been really fucking hard. Mm-hmm. It's been really hard to just not have any help. I guess too, for me at least we're out here so like i don't have any other comparison like this is the only way of parenting i know uh, at least a, a newborn and then into where we're at currently so like i think the idea of people coming over and watching her while we sleep or the idea of you know to me it was always going to be like us on our own to a degree. You know, I don't have that reference of like the village coming in. I definitely felt our, you know, village and stuff like, you know, Iris made sure we had food and like people sent books and checked in on like I'm not saying we didn't have any support externally for sure. 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 Yeah. It's just hard. It's it is it's just really hard when no one can physically assist. Yeah. And that's I mean that's the huge that's the body toll, you know. Oh, yeah. My body, my nervous system (laughs) on so many levels. You're starting to say something. I think you got, we got tangented. Um, There wasn't an aha moment. There wasn't an immediate, you know, obsession or it wasn't like she came out and she was everything that was precious in the world or, you know. I loved her. I wanted to protect her. She was cute and like I wanted to hold her. Like there was affection. It just wasn't it was the same feeling, not comparing her to this, but the same feeling I had with the cat and the dog when we first brought them home. <laughs> I'm gonna take care of you. I am happy you're here, you're part of us, I love you. But like I don't know you yet. And it's not like I didn't trust her or like, you know, she had to earn my my love or anything like that, but it was just being like I'm head over heels right this second, like I think I guess. Well, that's normal. It doesn't happen for everyone that way. That's think, what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that there's this misconception that like once you have your baby in your arms, everything is right in the world, and like that's not that's not everyone's experience, and that's also not. I don't want to say it's not normal, but like that's movies. Yeah. You know, and that's but that's the thing is like you know, and I'm not alone in this in any way, but. You show someone to get immediately morbid and sad about it. You show someone what it's like for someone to get actually shot. It's they're gonna be like, you know, if if you made a movie and you're like, we're gonna do sure, every if bullet you hit. See it in real life versus watching an action. Film. Yeah, you know, a grenade goes off in real life. And you're like, that's that's a grenade. You know, so it's the same thing here. Like movies, you have a baby and everyone's bawling and it's this huge thing, and they grab your finger and you melt and 
all these pieces that that was my main exposure. They don't grab your finger right away. I mean, when you're using a baby that's six months old for a newborn in a movie, <laughs> they do. So she also did have very impressive grip strength, by the way. Mm-hmm. But it was so. It was that. It was the waking up almost to realize one day it wasn't like a thing of like, oh, I'm, I'm taking to her more or more. It was just there was a, a day where I realized that like I'm I am obsessed with you. I am. You come up constantly in conversation. I want to show people pictures of you. Like you do, you do all the things you never thought you'd do. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, you don't give a shit about it, right? It's like there's no when you're on the outside, when you're the person without kids. It's like oh, everything's about babies. But like when you are that parent, you don't give a shit. I've kind of stayed on that. I don't know if it's denialism, but like. Showing people pictures of thought, I'll do it all day. But I'm also aware that, like, especially if you don't have kids, this doesn't mean as much to you. You're happy that it's my kid. You're happy that I'm happy and babies are cute and all these things. But, like, it's almost like you're not. There was a moment when I was taking a picture of her. We were playing. She was giggling. And I remember setting up my camera trying to repeat it. I've talked about this before with you. I was trying to repeat what we just did organically because I wanted a video of it. And it was like, what is this video for? And in that moment, it, the video was to send other people to show, oh my God, look at this. And yes, like grandparents, friends, family hadn't even met her at that point. So there is a little bit of trying to bring them along with the journey, but it was 100% the look at the baby, it's cute. And that really messed with my head for a while. But now when I'm showing, I'm not showing people pictures of dots so I can hear them say how cute she is. She is cute, I know she is, I don't care. You could think she's the ugliest baby ever, that's great for you. I'm not showing you videos and pictures of her necessarily so I can show you. I'm looking at them. I just, she came up and I want to look at her. So like, let's share this together. Or you bring her up like, how is Dot doing? Like, I'll send you a bunch of pictures. Cause like, I want to look at them, you know? So like, I think that was the, a big shift too. But like, I still get the, I always hate the, you'll understand when you're ex, you know, if you're not a parent, you don't get it. I understand how that sounds if you're not a parent listening to this yet or if you're never interested in but like there is just things that change yeah for better and for worse for sure but like there's just a switch that flips and now understanding too like when other people show me their babies like i you know when i see other people's babies it's not their babies are cute i'm happy for them i I have all these things but now for me it reminds me of her being there or her and right now being this age so i could totally see like 30 years from now, someone shows me a picture of their kid. I think of Dot. I think of Harper as a child. You oh, know, like, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. not. Because it sends memory. You think of, you think of, you see a picture of someone else's baby and you think of when you went through that experience, when you went through that time. I see pictures of Dean and I'm like, oh my God, I remember what six weeks was like. Mm-hmm. Or like, I see pictures of people who are pregnant and about ready to go into labor. And it's wild, too. It, there's like this, what's it called? When you fall in love, your captor. Stockholm Syndrome. So, yeah, there's like this Stockholm Syndrome about giving birth. Where like, <laughs> it is incredible and powerful and all those amazing sure. things. But also like, I neither of my birth stories were easy. Uh, both of them involved very different, but both of them involved traumas. Like, ex- I don't, I guess I shouldn't say extreme, but like significant traumas. Well, you can say extreme. Again, your only litmus is you. 
It's not like... But that's not true because I've been in the room when plenty of people have given birth. So like I know what an extreme birth is. But you haven't felt it yourself. And even in those situations, you are empathizing with someone as opposed to your body going through it. Sure. You know, your your storming the beaches at Normandy could be getting a splinter. And if that's a situation, (laughs) then that's fine. But like your extreme isn't comparing it to the world's extreme. Your extreme is your extreme. But even having a very intense and not entirely ideal birth twice i see someone else who's pregnant and i'm like oh my god they're gonna like go through the experience of of like giving birth to a baby and it's like and even today when we were recounting the details of okay it's it's you know 3 30 in the afternoon right now what were we doing a year ago we were sleeping we were finally after 30 hours of being awake we were finally sleeping you know and like even even though i remember how awful especially from like 2 a.m. onward. I will never forget laying in that bed with my leg up over the peanut and just like staring at the wall for another hour of going through contractions. I will never forget when Brandy just like crouched down and was like, okay, let's talk about it. And we made the call. We, I made the call to go to the hospital and I will never forget making that call and feeling so defeated and feeling like I had failed myself and feeling like I had failed Harper. Because I knew that going to the hospital meant that she couldn't be there. And I will never forget feeling so, feeling like the absolute worst human. And then hearing her because she sobbed so big and so loud. And like that was probably one of my lowest moments as a parent. And still, even remembering, even like viscerally remembering that, I'm still like, labor's the best, babies are amazing, giving birth is incredible. And it's just like, it is Stockholm Syndrome. It's like this fucked up dichotomy where it's like, we go through, the the things that we go through and the things that we experience are so extreme, good, bad, however you want to classify them, and so traumatic in however you want to classify that trauma. And yet, when I look back on it, I'm like, what an incredible day that was. That's wild. Is that the oxytocin that does that? What is the, there's a hormone that gets released to forget what the trauma was. To, yeah, to kind of absolutely. numb that area. Serotonin, oxytocin, it's the cocktail. It's the, it's the hormone cocktail. Which, but it's, also it's the, it's how you, what you connect it to, right? It's like, now we have this incredible baby she's amazing and we're obsessed with her and so because we feel those things now we look back on that day and we go that's the day that she became a part of our lives and so we look back on the day and we're like so grateful for that day and we're like oh my god that's like the day that she came to us and we're forever changed it's everything's amazing and it's the same like looking back on the first i don't know six months the first awful six months where it's like if you if you could if we could time travel and go back to talk to Nick and Kimberly at month four, Nick and Kimberly would be like, fuck this shit. We love our baby and everything is terrible. But even looking back, we're like, oh, but she was the cutest little four month old. Mm-hmm. She sure was. Well, that's weird. That's a, that's a crazy thing too, is I look back at pictures of her smaller and now it's like, that's, I, I remember that, but it's like that part is so far away now. You know, like it's the, I look back at that small kid with bald head. I remember thinking she has such, so much hair, you know, she's so big. I mean, she always had a lot of hair, but compared to now. That's what I mean. Yeah. She has like Justin Bieber hair now. She's, yeah, she's a little helmet. She's a believer. Or a scene kid. Prefer one or the other, I guess. She's a, um, 
She's listening. a skinny jean wearing warped for Couture kid. <laughs> She's a warped for kid. Yeah, and I'm does, I'm fine with that. I was there. She has a really strong side. Switch. She's my kid. Yeah. She just saw pictures of me in high school. Mm. Let's not go that far. Definitely. I don't. Have I don't you know seen that, the I don't conflicting know that, patterns she wears? I don't know that that's worth highlighting. It's because you dress her. She doesn't choose that. Hey, I mean, she doesn't say no. She can't say no. She could take that and throw those things. She's got an arm. That's also true. But either way, I think it's interesting because so the hormones get released. Yeah. To put you in the brain space to be able to make those links of like, well, this is what we got out of it. And that's the only reason people have more children. Mm-hmm, but that's the thing. You, but, we have more children because the love that we have for this for this human is incomparable to anything else. Completely. And and even other children, right? Like the love that I have for Harper is all-consuming and, and entirely different than the love that I have for Dorothea, which is also all-consuming. And they're not... There's not crossover. Like they are their own individual loves, right? But... Either way, still, it's like this <laughs> crazy, like, hormone brainwashing where we're like, let's, I mean, not actually, but like, well, let's do that 10 more times because, you know, ev- everything feels amazing. It's like you have these memories that aren't real. It's the rose-colored lenses, 100%. For sure. Because what, because, because what you feel releases those hormones, generates that thought process. No, but we also have an incredible ability to forget all of that. I always say, pushing Harper out, feeling her move through the birth canal was hands down the most painful experience I have ever felt. Could I tell you right now what it felt like? Absolutely not. Could I even try to go back into sense memory and and remember that way what it felt like? A hundred percent no. But I remember, I remember in the moment being like, this is the worst thing I have ever felt in my life. And I know that I have not had that thought or that feeling since then. But it doesn't matter because your brain just wipes it out. Just does it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know I had that conscious thought. There was literally the words popped into my head. This is the worst thing I have ever felt. But I have, like, I remember the pain when I had dengue. I remember the pain when I broke my wrist, when I fell off a swing when I was 10 years old and broke my wrist. I remember all of the injuries from tumbling and cheerleading and I, I dance. I remember all of that, all the ankle injuries, falling on my neck, having a cervical spine injury. I remember all of that. The memory of what it felt like to give birth, I have no, I could, I could not recreate it in my mind if I tried. Isn't that crazy? It is. There's also a significant hormone cocktail that happens, right? Like yeah. Increase, decrease, transition. There's a lot that happens hormonally. So but it, it must be just the way that we're wired to just know. I, I know, and, and we willingly do it again anyway. I know 100% with my contractions with Dorothea, 24 hours of labor that I was in, until I got that epidural, that labor was awful. Awful. Unlike anything, anything that I had experienced with Harper. Do I remember what that felt like? Yes. I remember what each of those contractions felt like. That was insane. But I still don't, I still don't have any reference for what the actual physical act of giving birth feels like. Like the contractions, I can 
replicated my mind to a degree. The giving birth part? Has there it's been... Other, it's like otherworldly experience. Do you think you can find a therapist that works in hypnosis or hypnotherapy? Because like, so that's always a thing, right? Is there's always that thing of men don't know what it's like to give birth. Men couldn't give birth. And all the things that like, and sure, I don't know that. I mean, it's true. That's what I'm saying. But like, is it so that you can put the, the muscle stimulators on me and make me feel what a contraction is feel like, but that's, that's only, that's only what's objectively happening, right? right? These muscles are contracting like this, similar to how the woman, but like that to me takes away the fact that there's a, a there's a, body in your body right. that's trying to get out and right. it's not like we can replicate a contraction we cannot replicate what it feels like to have another human being inside of you shifting around moving twisting pushing pulling kicking if it's own volition and so i mean there's definitely biology that is you're going this way but they're right. not it's not like they come out in a pod and then like open and like oh now i can move my arms no like, and the contraction the muscle contraction the uterine contraction which by the way yes we can put sensors on you and try to replicate it from the outside but you don't have a uterus so you still don't know what it feels like from the inside but even still you don't you there's no way to replicate the pressure and the transition of a human coming out of your birth canal because you don't have one yeah, yeah you don't have one and you don't have a cervix so you have no idea how, what that even would feel like. But that's what I'm saying. So like, is it, is it because of that? Because I just explained, at least for me, what a broken wrist felt like. Yeah. But if I'm sitting here like, Kimberly, tell me what it's like when the baby comes out. And you're like, I, it's unlike anything I've ever felt. It feels like it, I, it literally felt impossible. I remember very vividly having this thought of like, she's not going to fit. Felt like trying to squeeze a bowling ball out of a pinhole. And I remember physically feeling that the transition, feeling the pressure of her head in my birth canal and knowing, like without a doubt, knowing there was no way she was going to fit. And still here she is. Here she is. Well, I used to gauge my ears and I remember you, you just, you're, you're pushing it in and like, are you about to compare giving birth to gauging your ears? No, but, <laughs> okay, good. but there's that, I can't do this. I'm like, oh my God, she's not going to fit the, the, the giving up portion. Right? I've been doing this for so long and, and I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And taking it way steps back when I used to gauge my ears, there was always a moment where you were like, this isn't going to fit. And like that resistance in that super low stake situation of putting bigger earrings in your ear, you give up. You're like, I can't do it. It hurts. It hurts. But there was never, I never gave up. Of, no, I, of course. I, I, there was no thinking about the next step. There was, oh my God, she's not going to fit. And here we are in this moment, in this situation, and we're going to keep going. In a reality where she didn't fit, someone else would have had to say to me, Kimberly, we need to go. We need to transfer you. You need to have a C-section because there was no world where I was going to acknowledge that, where I was going to let that be the reality. For sure. That's also part of the biology, right? That's part of the brain chemistry. So favorite part and hardest part of the last year. One of my favorite parts is her putting her, her mouth on my nose and doing that. Uh, because one, it was cute. And two, like, I, you know, I played into it a little bit. I saw that she was opening her mouth. So like, take my nose and we, we built it up. But it was the first time I remember feeling like I was playing with her. Mm-hmm. Or we, had, we had something. It was something that we did. You know, I she remember would, that like developmental transition for her too. It was very cute to see her engage in play. 
it was that's that's still something that brings me a lot of joy. And there's been a lot of other things like that, but that's the first one I remember. Just we have a thing. Uh, and what was the second least favorite? Yeah, hardest part. Hardest part is either when she's uncomfortable. Yeah. And you're tired, and you can't. Anything you're trying to do is not working. You have to keep doing it or trying anything, but you hear your kid in pain, which you're thinking is the worst, and, and like it might be gas, which for them is the worst thing they've ever felt. Like yeah. everything is the fir- the worst thing and the best thing. But I had never, I've never experienced anger, where the thing that is causing me anger is in my hands, but I'm I have no ill will, no anger, no frustration towards the thing causing me my anger. It's the fact that this thing is in pain. Like it's, it, there was a rage that built up, never directed to her or that I was gonna, but, and I remember feeding that of like, I can't look into this because she's feeding off me. So if I'm getting angry, she's not gonna be able to be like, wow, you love me so much that you're angry that I'm upset and that's how you're internalizing this. Like she's gonna feel anger and make things worse. But like my least favorite part is any time that she's in pain upset by not having a toy that that sucks but like if she's hurt it it really doesn't feel good especially if you had a hand in doing it it's it's not that responsibility that you just feel like you betrayed yourself and her you know it's such it's well you feel like you're failing yes and it's the frustration because it's the same for me I think the hardest part for me is those sleepless nights where Keep going. we both are so exhausted and we don't have the remedy. We don't have the fix. We don't have the tools. We don't have the ability to go into her body and, you know, beep, boop, beep, boop to make it feel better. And I remember the anger and the rage that I felt in those, the worst of the nights was scary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was scary to know that I could feel that way. Not at her, but about something that had to do with her in that sense. Like, it's not like someone else was causing harm to her. It's not like that. That rage would make sense, right? But it's like, there's this moment where I am 100% helpless as as a human. And as the person responsible for her. And it's not her fault. And I'm not, I don't feel those feelings towards her, but I feel those feelings in this situation where my job, my only job is to make her feel better. And I don't have, I can't do anything. And nothing is working. And nothing is working. And then when you are woken up out of, when, when all your body wants is to sleep and regenerate and you are woken up out of that cycle in the middle of that cycle for the seventh time in the same night, it is just exacerbated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's real special. It's- it's scary. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of nights where I was like, fuck, there's something wrong with me. Oh, really? Yeah. We should have talked about that more because I felt that, that range, that frustration often. But that's the point. We didn't talk, we didn't talk about it because we don't have the t- We're talking right now for the first time <laughs> in how true. long? And we're recording a podcast. Two weeks easily. We don't have the time to talk about it. Well, yeah. Yeah, we don't time to actually del- delve into any of this. No, we don't get feelings. to debrief anymore. No. <laughs> it's been a year easily since we've like properly do yeah there's a there's pieces missing man it's nice to talk to you yeah it's nice to talk to you that's your, your you, favorite part yeah i love breastfeeding really yeah 
I like feeding her, so I can only imagine that's... I love breastfeeding. It's hard because I have to pump so much of the time because she will not stay latched for a full feeding because there's too much happening around her and she has to look at all the things. And But, like, those early morning feeds when she wakes up, those, like, 6 a.m. feeds, I love breastfeeding. But the pumping is frustrating. It's a lot. It's a lot. It takes a lot out of my day and, you know, my focus and my time. And I think my favorite thing right now is waking up to her blowing raspberries in my belly. Yeah, that's... That's a new, fun, really cute thing. Because she gets so happy. She gets, like, her smile is so big. It's like her smile takes up her whole face when she does it. Yeah, and she... she looks for the reaction, too. She does it, and then she sits back and looks at me and just has this giant smile on her face, and it's like... And is proud of herself. Yeah. Like, it's There's such a beaming, like, did you see what I did? Yeah. What are you going to do? Giggle. She's cute. Think we should keep her? I don't think there's an option. I mean, there is always an option. No, there's not really. <laughs> always, that's. The, I know it's a joke, but like, I can. It's like the question of like, you know, what would you do without her, or what would you do? You know, can you imagine not not having her? You know, like us yeah. not getting like no, no, because it's not my reality, and also like. There are benefits to it for sure. You know, free time and you know, all these things. It's not a fair trade. No, but that's the thing is like at the end of the day, like n- there's no question. Like I don't, not only can I not, I don't want to change in that world. That's not my world. Like, yeah, that's a sad, that's a sad universe, Nick. Sorry, buddy. You got a bum rap. Yeah, man. Do you think we should keep her? Uh, yes. I'm excited for it this time next year I it's bittersweet I am but I, I like right here right now oh same you know I just mean like she's chaos in human form so I can only imagine what the new highs are going to be <laughs> for the next year. she's going to be a, a scare she's going to be the one that pops up and in your face you know or like hides behind the thing and like jumps out of you like she's going to is she crazy I'm excited for that as well can, it can come I'm slowly. I'm excited for it, and I also would appreciate it if she stopped growing now. We need her to not keep growing because it's happening too fast. Yeah. And slow all at the same time. Nebulous time. Gonna go help our other kid. Yeah, we probably should. All right. All right. Go team. Go team. Let's get it. <laughs> then we can end on that. Just a big clap. Good. We're about 15% battery. Go pee so bad. And cut.